Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side, where we are talking about the Miami Dolphins' impending free agents, Brian Catanzaro and Paul Pickin, joining you here. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on iTunes, and a lot of other places around the Internet, too. So, uh, Paul, diving right into it, the two big free agents on Miami Dolphins fans' mind that there's a lot of good debate on, Kenny Stills and Andre Branch. We'll start right there. Paul, I'm going to throw out a price tag. Per year, obviously it depends, you know, where the bonuses are, where that other stuff is. But for argument's sake, this much per year, okay? I'm yep. going to throw out a price tag for Kenny Stills and Andre Branch. First one, Andre Branch, defensive end, $7 million a year. Are you buying or selling? I'm buying. Uh, I've got him probably right around $7.5 million, so I think we're right in the same camp for that. Is he everything in the world that you want? Did he fade a little down the stretch this season? Yeah, sure. But... He he was a guy that provided a lot of solidity uh, on the side opposite Cameron Wake. And, and really, Miami needs to keep him at this point, especially after jettisoning, jettisoning Mario Williams, Jason Jones, a little bit on the interior there. Miami's already going to have to add to the defensive line rotation this offseason. I don't think they can afford to, to step away from him at this point. It would make defensive end extremely thin if they were to lose Andre Branch. I mean, you would literally have Cameron Wake, Terrence Fidei at defensive end heading into the offseason. If you take Deion Jordan, Mario Williams, Andre Branch, all these guys out of the picture. Yeah, at $7 million, I would have to say I still buy. If it gets higher than that, the conundrum I'm going to have looking at these free agents is if you're going to pay, say, for example, the price tag goes up, say it's 8 or $9 million for Andre Branch, then then at that point, I start to say Jason Pierre-Paul, Calais Campbell, if they're going to be you know, $12 million a year, is that something that you bump up and consider when negotiating with Branch? So it's going to be interesting to see when, where the Dolphins' tap-out point is. I thought Branch may have been on his way to just an incredible year for him. He had five and a half sacks after 11 games, or excuse me, after 12 games and then didn't have one for the rest of the year, and the playoff game seemed to wear down a little bit. I think that hurt his stock just a bit, but I would expect him regardless to be in that $7 million, seven, $8 million a year range. If the Dolphins can get him for a little bit less, I consider that a steal, and now you've got something pinned down at the end heading into free agency. Uh, Kenny Stills is an interesting one, Paul. I mean, I, I know the saying, you want to re-sign your own guys, but if Kenny Stills is at $9 million a year, if that's the price tag, are you buying or selling that? If you asked me that probably three weeks ago, I, I, I would have said, I really don't know. But a after looking at a few pieces out there, looking at the market around the NFL, if Kenny's willing to come back for $9 million a year, I'm absolutely 100% buying that. It, it's And I'd even go so far after looking at contracts for guys like T.Y. Hilton that some of the others on the market with similar skill sets, and you look at his production per pass thrown his way. I'd actually go as high as $11 million for, for Kenny, believe it or not. And it's I'm, I'm shocked to be saying that, but 
given the cap space and everything else, given what the cap numbers are expected to be, $11 million is not a ridiculous number for a guy with Kenny's skill set and what he can do. Here's my follow-up question to that, Paul. Say Kenny Stills wants $11 million a year, and Jarvis Landry wants to be extended to $13 million a year. Are you going to accommodate both of those players? I almost feel like you definitely have to with Kenny because he's gone. Jarvis, maybe you start the talks to do so and look to do something during the season. You're going to have to front load at least one of those two contracts and, and, and make the two of them balance out, especially given the fact that at some point during those 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 years, you're also going to have to make a decision on Devontae Parker, who hopefully continues to grow. So it's a tough one, but uh, if push comes to shove, I, I don't want to lose either of those guys. Uh, yeah, I don't either. And that that's the conundrum that I think the Dolphins are going to face. I, my, here's my fear, is that Ryan Tannehill is making – 17 to 20 million a year. You've got Kenny Stills making 11 million a year. You've got Jarvis Landry making 13 million a year. Now you're spending just about a quarter of your dollars on Tannehill, Stills, and Jarvis Landry. And then when I really believe that the stars of the team, the stars of the offense moving forward, are going to be a healthy Devontae Parker and Jay Ajaye, and then you turn around in a few years and you have difficulty re signing them. I think. I'm selling Kenny Stills at $9 million a year, and I, I agree with you, Paul. I think he may end up getting $11 million a year. When you take a look at the fact Stills is 24 years old, and he, he was second in the AFC in both touchdowns and yards per catch, which you can't think of two bigger big play statistics other than that. But that's my thing. You either re-sign Kenny Stills or you extend Jarvis Landry. To me, you can't have both. And that's going to be a difficult decision. Inevitably, I think Leonte Carew slips into that third receiver role. Yeah, it's it's. I I think Kenny's contract this off season is going to average in the ten to eleven million a year range, and I think it's going to be a three to four year deal, whether that's with Miami or outside of Miami. The one positive I will say is is I do like what I saw of the relationship between Kenny and the other players on this team, as well as with Adam Gase. I mean, there are numerous moments I can point to last year that showed that those those guys really have a great relationship with Kenny. And given what he's able to do, I really hope he is back. But I, I don't know. I, I would buy up to $11 million on him, though. A lot of decisions for the Miami Dolphins front office. Uh, you know, a 24 years old, Kenny Stills, and that's such a big thing in free agency. The difference in free agency between 24 and 28 is monumental. We saw it last year with Olivier Vernon, who had just turned 25. Yeah, and I think Stills is rounding into a better all-around player. Clearly a lethal deep threat, but a better all-around player too. And when you look at the money out there, teams like the 49ers uh, who are expected to have, gosh, like something ridiculous, like $80 million in cap space. Yeah, they if they look take a look at Kenny Stills, I think it's over from there. Um, I expect him to leave, but we'll see what happens. So we're going to spend a, a little bit more time on some of these existing Miami Dolphins free agents. Paul, some will spend more time on than others. We'll throw out a few names. Deion Sims. For me, I think you can get Deion back uh, anywhere from three and a half to to four and a half million a year, possibly as high as five. I think he's definitely a guy you want to bring back. I know when we talked about Julius Thomas, I love the idea of of he and Julius being being the pairing at tight end. You've got your receiving threat, and you've got an inline blocker who can also be a receiving threat as well. So. There's a lot of special things that they could do with those two in there, and I would love to see this guy back uh, this coming season. I do think he ends up back in Miami. 
before the Julius Thomas impending trade, I, I thought the same thing. Uh, I think Deion Sims I'm selling now because um, I do think he'll be four or five million dollars given the potential he has, the size, uh, the blocking ability. But I, I, to me, the advantage of getting Julius Thomas and pairing him with Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker is that you can have you can afford to lose Kenny Stills and you can afford to lose Deion Sims and the cupboard still isn't empty. You've got at running back, you got Jay Ajayi and Damian Williams and Kenny Andrake, a receiver. You've got Landry and Parker and Leonte Carew and Hick and, uh, uh, excuse me, Jakeem Grant, you hope step up too. And then a tight end, you still got Marquise Gray, who they re-signed. who did a very good job last year to pair with Thomas. They need to add somebody else along the way, but I do think, Deion Sims is a goner with Julius Thomas. If they can get him back for cheap, I hope they consider that because I think Sims is a good player. Uh, Jermon Bushrod at right guard. Pro Football Focus ranked him, I think, as the last guard on their list, which I found a little bit harsh. You know, and he is 32 years old. I don't think he played as bad as he was ranked on there, uh, depending on how serious you take PFF. I, I, you know, I. But overall, I think he's going to be a few million. I, I could go either way on this, Paul. Say, say it's two million. Is are you looking in another direction at right guard, or are you considering bringing him back for insurance? I'd consider it, but it wouldn't be an immediate priority for me. I don't think he's going to have people banging down his door. Uh, while while I agree with you that Pro Football Focus got a little harsh in that rating there, because I did think he did a very decent job at the least. But for me, it's it's the free agent guard market this season is so full uh, of talent that it's very hard to think that you have to chase this guy down, have to sign him before free agency starts or or the Dolphins are going to be hosed. Now, have we sat there through the, oh my God, we don't have any guards going into the season scenario before? We have, but we've never had it this thick at the position with this much cap space. So, I just I'm not worried about it. Maybe he comes back, and if he does, I'm okay with it. But if he moves along, I'm not losing any sleep there either. Yeah, I think the Dolphins need to get a little bit younger at that position. Uh, John Denny, the long snapper, he's been here, <laughs> believe since it's been since the Nick Saban days. I know that. So he's 37 years old, still one of the best long snappers in the league. I would imagine cost a, costing about a million, million and a half a year. Are you paying this, Paul, or are you going to go the undrafted free agent route? I think you, you pay it, but at the same time, you set the contract up so you have your out clauses. So if somebody does get into camp and outshines him at 200000 a year, you've got the option there. Denny's definitely a mainstay, beloved by the team. He's been reliable nonstop throughout his 87-year career with the Dolphins. So it's... It's a scenario where you still bring in competition for him, you set up his contract as such, and then you go from there. Yeah, the you know, I, Denny, I, I'd have to say I sell it at million, million and a half. But if he wants to come back cheaper, or you know, there's typically not a big market out there for long snappers. We'll see what happens. Uh, rounding out the rest of the offense, Paul, we've got T.J. Yates, a quarterback, Jordan Cameron, who's had the concussion problems and inefficiency problems, to put it nicely, a tight end as well as Dominique Jones, who played a pretty big role in a few games last year. Uh, do any of these guys spark you as best players the Dolphins need back? If uh, Miami lets 
Deion Sims walk. I, I would like to see Dominique Jones back. But again, I mean, it, it's feast or famine with these guys. It, there's not a huge impact from the majority of them. So if they're able to, great. If not, I think Miami's got the ability to upgrade and in some scenarios possibly go a little cheaper than a few of them. Yeah, Dominique Jones is somebody that if he, we bring him back uh, behind Julius Thomas and behind Marquise Gray to compete with, you know, Thomas Duarte or another draft pick, then I'm fine with that. But other than that, TJH, Jordan Cameron, I think their time is done here. Paul, moving to the defensive side of the ball, not as many players to talk about, you know, because really the big name ones have been let go, the Marion Williams, the Earl Mitchells, the impending Deion Jordan and, and Koamisi. So Jelani Jenkins, I'll tell you, I'll start with him. He's a player that I've been a huge fan of his for years. Since 2013 when we drafted him, I thought this guy gave the Patriots fits, covering tight ends and running backs. Not great against the run, but I got to tell you, last year I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Just the injuries, were, you know, this guy's only good for 12 or 13 games a year. And the bigger part of this, too, why I'm not even for – bringing him back at any prices. I don't want to have he and Kiko Alonso on the field together because they're just too small. Right. And, and I'd be okay with a healthy Jelani Jenkins on the field with Kiko Alonso. I do think Kiko ends up getting kicked out to outside backer and, and we fill a spot in the middle instead this season. But not a player that, much like Koamisi, can't get through a game healthy. He's got some skills. He's got the ability but if your body is not going to hold up, even if you're out there, you're not helping the team anymore. And it's sad to say, because like you, I've been a huge fan of this guy and what his potential is, but I don't think his body's going to let him realize that potential. So it's probably time to move on. Otherwise, we're going to see a lot more of guys like Donald Butler and God knows who else out there on the field in a rotation that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think Jenkins would make an interesting low risk signing for somebody else who needs coverage help at their linebackers. But no, uh, I, I can't bring them back simply because I, I don't want them to on the field together. And you're right. I look for the dolphins to sign a middle linebacker in free agency. Maybe it's a Kevin mentor from the Cardinals. Maybe they really ante up for Dante Hightower from the Patriots and then kick Kiko to the outside strengthening two positions. Michael Thomas, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to put a finger on what he'll cost. He, He's played a serviceable role as a free safety, as a nickelback is able to play. Everybody remembers his big interception against the New England Patriots in his first game back in 2013. And he's emerged into one of the best special teams players in the league. Paul, is this somebody that you're looking to bring back? And if so, how, what's your tap-out point for him? If, uh, if he's willing to come back at a decent price, uh, probably 2 $3 million a year, uh, unfortunately, which I don't know if that's going to be a market that he's happy about then I might consider it because, let's face it, as good as Michael Thomas emerged as a special teamer, when you got down the stretch, Walt Aikens emerged as a better, younger talent on special teams down the stretch last season. He's an okay nickel who's a liability in, in terms of pursuit angles and, and tackling ability, and he's not a good safety option. And unfortunately, you can only keep so many guys that are moderately okay safety options to be special teamers. So Walt Aikens may be the, the doom and gloom for Michael Thomas coming back at this point. No, that's a good point with Walt Aikens because, yeah, you've got two backup safeties who have shown 
You know, I, I don't think Michael Thomas has been a liability at free safety. I think he's gotten better. Walt Aikens has proven to be a complete liability. And it was telling, too, last year when Bakari Rambo, they picked him up off the street, which player we'll get to in a second, as opposed to putting Walt Aikens out there. So me personally, I like Michael Thomas. Uh, I would pay him $3 million a year because of that special team's ability. Um, and I think he is a serviceable free safety and, a, and an okay nickelback, too. You know, and if he is your eighth, ninth, or tenth defensive back out there and a special teams demon, I'm willing to pay that for $3 million a year. I think he gives you some insurance. Uh, the rest of the defensive players, Paul, you've got Donald Butler, Spencer Pacinger, and a player I know that you're going to have an opinion on, Bakari Rambo. Do any of these three players stick out for you? Um, nope. We're going to go with nope. <laughs> I Maybe Pacinger, but like we were just saying, they've got – They've got some young alternatives that play some decent, decent or better special teams in guys like Mike Hall, Neville Hewitt. Um, in terms of playing linebacker, y- you can only keep so many special teamers, as important as special teams is, that can't play very well if they're put into a position on offense or defense. And, and I think that makes pacing or not man out. You talk about Butler and Rambo, hey, you know, maybe they're the nicest guys on the planet, but they're not guys that play well on special teams or defense. So it's, you know, for me, Bakari Rambo, I can single-handedly point to plays that completely broke games down or single-handedly ruined games repeatedly in several games last season. Uh, there are several games they won in spite of guys like Butler and Rambo. And now, do I appreciate them coming and filling in? Sure. But I, I think I'd almost rather at this point that Chris Greer called you up and said, hey, you want to play safety for a few games and threw you out there. Um, you would have been done just as good of a job tackling as Rambo and, and, and Butler did. I think that's an insult to my safety skills. But, yeah, I see your point on that. <laughs> but, but it, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, Bakari Rambo identifies perfectly why I defended Chris Clemens so much and why you know, I know you're a big fan of him. Or I'm not going to say a big fan, but we were bigger fans of them that other people is like, sorry, but you have somebody at free safety who is your last line of defense, who is not allowing these 50, 60 yard touchdowns, which Bakari Rambo did on a weekly basis. But, you know, I couldn't even get mad at Rambo. It wasn't an effort thing, just not big enough or fast enough. So yeah, to me, he's gone. Butler, I didn't see a play that he made all year and the Dolphins were terrible against the run. So obviously he wasn't helping there. Spencer Pacinger, I would look at bringing back maybe a million and a half, two million a year. I thought he was better than Butler at linebacker, and I think he's a really good special teamer. One thing to keep in mind with the Dolphins special teams, how good they were on kickoffs. Uh, I know that's a small stat, but I'll throw another one by you. 79 kickoffs from Andrew Franks this past year. Three of them were returned past the 25-yard line. Three. And you can thank the Spencer Paysingers and the Michael Thomases on the special teams unit for that. Because the Dolphins were always in pretty good field position, especially after kickoffs. Paul, we're going to get into a lot here over the next several weeks in terms of free agency and the NFL draft. Before we call it a segment, uh, is, is there anything else that sticks out for us? No, I mean, I know we've got a lot of roster moves to go through, a lot of positions to go through. I know the league year hasn't even started yet um, until March 9th. So I think this is going to be a very fluid offseason. I think we're going to see uh, potentially a few more trades leading up to the draft because you look at the draft. Right now Miami only has four draft picks with an expectation that there will be two more added as compensatories for losing guys like Olivier Vernon, 
last off season. But again, I, I do expect Miami to try to accumulate a couple more draft picks and, and focus a lot on the defense this year, as well as the offensive guard position. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because don't freak out anybody. If you know, you've only seen the dolphins have a few picks in a worst case scenario, they're going to get that three back and at least a five. I've heard anywhere from a three, four and a six to as low as a three and a five. So those are expected to be announced here in the next couple of weeks, and we'll make sure that we have that information for you when it happens. Paul, we've got a lot to cover this offseason. I look forward to it. Join us on Facebook, on Twitter, on iTunes, and subscribe to that channel. And you can find us all over the Internet, too, on the Fin side. Tweet to us as well. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the Fin side. Have a good night. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. And it must be the fin Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. We rep our team. You can't change, stop, or ruin it. All we need is to figure what to do to win. Fins Radio, live and direct. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.